Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Get it delivered to your door via Deliveroo or Uber Eats. The weekend might be over, but the action doesn't stop, and nor does the discussion here on Football Social Daily. We are the only daily podcast you can find which exclusively focuses on the Premier League every single day of the season. Trust me, we aren't worried about La Liga or Serie A. Even the Belarus Premier League didn't get a look in when it was the only football on. Seven days a week until the season is over, we'll be bringing you a brand new podcast packed with all the latest news, opinion and talking points from the Premier League. So hit subscribe however you listen to your podcasts and you'll be sent a new show as soon as it's available. Some people say Sundays are boring. Well, that's exactly how it felt watching the Merseyside derby. Everton and Liverpool playing out a bore draw. It was goalless at Goodison, a Liverpool just going through the motions. And from what we saw from Everton, has Carlo Ancelotti got enough to make a fist of next season? Aston Villa's problems deepened as they were beaten 2-1 at home to Chelsea. Two strikes within a minute for the Blues, knocking the stuffing out of Villa. Is that them now doomed for the drop? And is that Chelsea all but cemented in the top four? Sheffield United have had a remarkable season, almost as remarkable as how long it's taken Joel Linton to score a goal for Newcastle United. And that's exactly what happened as the Blades were comfortably beaten 3-0 at St James's Park. A big blow to their European hopes with Manchester United on the horizon too. Plus, we'll take a look at tonight's matchup between Manchester City and Burnley at the Etihad Stadium. I'm Niall, this is Football Social Daily, and with me to go through all the action we have, Jim Salverson. Hello, Jim. Hey, Niall, you're right. I'm good. How was your Father's Day yesterday? Uh, it was good, although I commiserations to all the other fathers who didn't win the World's Best Dad Award. I won it again. <laughs> I got the mug for a like, third year running, I think it is. So commiserations, guys. Better luck next time. Keep up that record, Jim. You'll be like Pep Guardiola of dads in no time. <laughs> uh, comedian Steve Shanyaski is here too. All right, mate. How's it going? Uh, very well, thank you. I'm uh, having a great lockdown and can't wait till it's over so I can get back <laughs> on stage. What have you been, been up to, with, Shannon? With oh, you know what I've been up to, and you're asking so that I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've become a delivery guy for a major supermarket. It's been emotional, shall we say, and leave it there. And I've handed my notice in, 
and I've already started coming up with terrible excuses not to turn up for work, <laughs> i.e. Wednesday is the hottest day of the year, therefore I'm recording something to do with football. What what will actually be happening is I'll be sitting in the garden drinking, but hopefully I've just realised now he won't be listening to this podcast, I hope. <laughs> yeah, you do realise this podcast is available this... nearly everywhere, and uh, we've had a million downloads this season, so there is a chance that he might listen to it. <laughs> hey, do you know what? Do you know what, though? I've handed him a notice. I couldn't care less. <laughs> I, I'm, off, I'm off. I'm off. I've done my bit. I've, I've been nice to old ladies and stuff, and, and now I'm just. I'm literally turning up. I'm mixing all the mixing all the orders up. I'm giving people hummus who want uh, Powerade and stuff, and that's it. I just can't be bothered anymore. Does it make you realise that you never want to have to get a proper job? <laughs> yep. <laughs> as soon as I got that uniform, Jim, it was like. I was in a right bad mood. Seema was like, why, why are you so upset? And it's like, have you seen the trousers? The trousers are like, <laughs> there's not, even if you was 20 stone overweight, that they'd still be, you know, loose. They're like, they fit like an oven glove or something. And I, I, I said to a lad, like, because he, he was talking to me about the trousers as well. And I was like, I'm going to get them tailored, mate. I was saying to him, I'm going to get them tailored. Of course, no, not even for like two months could you get anything tailored. So I've, I had a, I've got about two weeks left. I had about two weeks left when they opened the tailors and I thought, I'm, I'm just going to wear shorts. I can't wear them trousers anymore. They're terrible. You know, like the big... It's like... Ill like Kim Jong-un's trousers. <laughs> I call them the Kim Jong-un's. I call them the Kim Jong-un's. And they give you these black shoes as well that you have to wear. Oh, I bought my own, basically. I bought my own, like, um, A6 black trainers. Because the black shoes that they wear just make you look even more like <laughs> Kim Jong Unny, you know, <laughs> a bit, a bit Unny, you know. So, oh god, mm. he would point and laugh at me and give me banter if he saw me in these trousers. <laughs> That's how bad they are. They're that bad. Well, yeah. just to let you know, I do have a swear bleep in the editing software. So, if there is any last words you want to say to your current uh, employer, <laughs> feel free, and I'll, I'll do the honours for you if you want. I, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> don't burn know. your bridges. You, you're, you're, well, do you know what? You say that, but I never want to. Go back there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So bleep that out, Niall. There you go. There's your little bit of your little job today. There you go. That's already been done for you, Steve. By the time that that's been said, it's already been done. Thank well, you. hopefully uh, the Merseyside derby wasn't as boring as Steve's job as a delivery driver, but for me, it pretty much was. As always, plenty of build up to this game, starting from over a week ago. First, it was the game that might not be played at Goodison Park due to safety reasons. Then it was if. Man Manchester City lost to Arsenal, Liverpool could clinch the title at Everton's ground. Well, none of that happened and it was a lifeless nil-nil draw. No atmosphere, no excitement. The most exciting moment was at the end when Tom Davis' drive hit the post for Everton, which nearly ended their 10-year wait for a derby win. All in all, it was pretty rubbish. Mm. Notably for Liverpool, Mo Salah didn't start. Suggestions he might have picked up an injury before the game. You can find out more about that on our brand new website, sport-social.co.uk. Loads of other news stories on there too. Uh, and the Reds just looked a little toothless up front Jim I mean it is their first game back that has to be said but they've not exactly been very active in the transfer market lately particularly with those front three and they've missed out on Werner as well is Jurgen Klopp just beginning to rest on his laurels a little bit because if he doesn't have that powerful front three they just don't quite seem the same side this game for me kind of summed up the football season returning 100% it was just it, the whole mm. idea of it was wrapped up in 90 minutes and I likened it to 
you know those great big bag of crisps you buy and you kind of you'll you'll eat a load you'll go halfway through a bag and then you'll go oh, i should probably put them aside and can't really finish the entire packet and then a couple of weeks later you go back to it and you remember how much you enjoyed the bag of crisps the first time you ate it and you go and have another crisp but it's two weeks later the crisp's gone a little bit soggy it's not quite as crunchy anymore it doesn't taste quite the same and you sit and eat the entire bag because it's there <laughs> but you don't really enjoy it that's kind of where football is for me. I like the idea of football, but now I'm sitting down to watch games. They all just seem a little bit disappointed. And that kind of reached a peak with this Everton-Liverpool game because it was just dull. Liverpool did look toothless. You're right. And whether Salah was injured, that was, as you say, that was the rumour or whether he was being rested for another game because there will be a fair amount of rotation that comes into every squad's games over the next few weeks. Or whether it was Everton really dealing with Liverpool well. And I think that was part of it. I think Ancelotti has finally got that Everton team incredibly well organised. And they were just able to nullify everything that Liverpool threw at them. And yeah, they didn't look quite, I mean, Minamino or Minimoto, as John Barnes kept on calling him on the commentary, <laughs> didn't look like a suitable replacement for Salah. He's not at that level yet, but they should have had enough, you would have thought, with the other players on the pitch to break it down. But I think Everton just did a really good job of containing them. They didn't show a massive amount of ambition, Everton, in terms of winning the game, but they did enough to get the draw. Yeah, I mean, firstly, can I just say you're the only man I've ever met that can't eat a whole bag of crisps in one sitting. The I'm talking about the massive bags. I'm still talking about the massive bags. That's, it's easy done, Jim. It's yes, easy yes. done. Do you want, I'll get some hummus. I'll get some delivered. Have some hummus. <laughs> dip it in. Just takes the edge off that boring crisp. You'll be yeah. able to get through a bag by the end of this. He'll end up dipping oh, it in Powerade, Steve, if you're the one delivering it. <laughs> I mean, this just goes to show how boring the game is that we're talking about Hummus and Powerade again. Exactly. After spending five minutes on it at the beginning of the podcast. Exactly. So let's talk let, about the actual football. Let, let me have my bit about this game then, because it all sort of stems back to the City game before where they just brushed Arsenal aside. So instantly there's mm. a bit more pressure on the, the Liverpool derby, isn't there? Mm. So then you've got the derby, and there's no home advantage anymore, is there, really? There just isn't. So yeah. if it was at Goodison Park, if it was at Anfield, it just doesn't really matter where it is, because on the pitch, it just sounds like there's a there's a place in Manchester called the the pits where all the lads play five a side, and then sometimes you sort of you can hear it all echoing, and it just sounds like that. It's a terrible. So you put you put the sound on, don't you? If you're watching it on Sky, you put the atmosphere on, because you can't stand listening to it. So Everyone's on a semi-level playing field. Every man that isn't a Liverpool fan on earth is desperate for them just to throw it all away some <laughs> magical way at the end of the season. And a nil-nil draw to Everton sort of just helps that a tiny bit because we sort of, you hope that they're just losing that sort of, the grasp of it, the power that, you know, the, how amazing they've been all season. It's a, Everyone's having a bit of a weird start to this what is effectively the second season or something, these last sort of... How many games is it left? Eight or something. All compressed, all finished by the end of July. There's a lot of pressure on Liverpool and they didn't have the main man, Salah, at all. And, God, Everton nearly scored. They just <laughs> nearly scored. I know it's like the only... I think there was there not two incidences in the highlights where you could say Everton almost scored or certainly had the better chances, but... Other than that, nothing happened really. Nothing at all. It was incredibly dull. And like any Super Sunday, the final game of the day just seems to just not happen at all. You mm. know, it's happened so many times. I mm. think just so much pressure on them games. <clears throat> Maybe Everton 
did you know play for a nil nil basically that's that's an amazing result for them really against Liverpool because you'd expect them to just go turn up and destroy them but they just didn't they just looked a bit well they looked completely toothless is what they looked yeah it's yeah. been 10 years since Everton beat Liverpool in a Liverpool derby which is an incredible stat and I mean you're right there were two chances there was the um, Tom Davis hitting the post and then Calvert-Lewin had a good effort that was kind of tipped around by Allison. brilliant save from Allison. but it all came at the end after Everton had kind of absorbed this pressure for so long and not being particularly ambitious so maybe that was the plan and I think I think you mean you asked the question at the top of the podcast now whether it shows that Everton have enough to compete going yeah. forward I think it shows that they've got an absolutely brilliant manager mm. in place and someone who can look at a game tactically and go this is what we need to do to get that result from that game because that's exactly what Ancelotti did for me he set up perfectly to get a point and potentially nick it at the end and I thought I, I thought from a managerial point of view it was an excellently approached game well, if we look at Liverpool's latest results, and I don't want to read too deep into this because it has been three months and form doesn't really mean anything, but let's just do it anyway, Steve. Since 18th of February, beat West Ham by three goals to two. But Jim, you'll remember that was a closer game than the scoreline probably suggests. Yeah. Then they lost their unbeaten record the following Saturday against Watford. They lost 3-0. Then they were knocked out of the FA Cup to Chelsea in their next match by two goals to nil, which means that any chance of a treble was gone. Uh, then they went to Bour- uh, They went to Anfield and beat Bournemouth two goals to one. Then they lost to Atletico Madrid uh, again. And then they drew with, with Everton. So it's not exactly been the most ballistic run of form, shall we say. Um, it, it feels a little bit like they're just going through the motions because they know they're going to win the league, Steve. Everyone knows they're going to do it. I mean, it just feels like they kind of are just, we only need six more points, five now to get the title. It's just, just going to be a case of job done, it feels like. <clears throat> they'll get to that point won't they they'll win the league and after that it'll just be just turning up kicking on kicking the ball around the field and they're not the passion will be gone surely i mean look how long the season is now 300 mm. odd days or something mm. get, and, and look at arsenal they're getting injured like mad that's the last thing anyone wants now is to get a, a proper 18 month injury in this ridiculous little lockdown comeback thing mm. so i would imagine <clears throat> you would you'd win the league and that's that's it for them, isn't it? There's just no other hope for anything. And then, and then basically just start protecting players, really. So, like that United Chelsea thing. Chelsea are getting fourth. I was looking at it all before because we've got Chelsea have got Liverpool coming up towards right near the end when Liverpool will have won the league, and Chelsea will just turn up and win that. And United are basically fighting for fifth and sixth, fifth or sixth. I think United will get fifth. But I still think that that City thing will be overthrown. So the fourth place, the fourth place will be Chelsea. Fifth will be United, and Liverpool will win the league. And after that, just sort of give up. I just, I think they'll just protect the players, like I say, because of how long the season mm. is. Mm. So Merseyside derby, Everton against Liverpool ended nil nil. Steve, you mentioned Chelsea there, and that's where we're going to go next. Well, in fact, we're going to go to Villa Park as the score was Aston Villa one, Chelsea two. Now Aston Villa took the lead, um, but they let that lead slip. They conceded twice in the space of 60 seconds. They they can't be doing that if they want to stay up this year. Oh my God, that's got to be so heartbreaking, hasn't it, for Villa? Villa staying up, oh, we're, they're so close to not staying up at all, aren't they? The, those teams at the bottom are in a, a real nightmare situation because it's hard to get yourself up for it at, at the moment anyway. Obviously, there's Norwich is done with, and then you've got the others all fighting, but teams like Villa, you, you've got to be worried. They had a chance there. They had a chance to 
at least, you know, maybe even hold on to the draw, but to concede to 60 seconds. And they looked done after that, from what I remember, didn't mm. they? Seemed pretty done. It looked, actually looked like Chelsea was going to bag another one at one point, And, yeah, I'd be worried if I was a Villa fan. Definitely. Yeah, I would be. And to be fair, Jim, with West Ham United losing, with AFC Bournemouth losing, it was a big chance for Aston Villa, a golden chance. And then to take the lead and then concede twice within the space of a minute. I mean, you know, you don't like Steve says, those sort of chances to be in front against Chelsea and almost be in control of the game to the point where, you know, they weren't too concerned about Chelsea. And then, you know, two quick goals in succession and that really knocked the stuffing out of them. And you know, it turned into a Chelsea victory. So that was a real good chance for them with West Ham and Bournemouth losing. It was, but at the same time, they were abject. The scoreline flatters them because it was no way was that a 2-1 game as far as Chelsea were concerned. They should have been 3 or 4-0 up by the end of that game and they just lacked that tiny little bit of cutting edge, which is why I think Chelsea have done so well with the business that they either have done or they're rumoured to be doing over the next few months because they've strengthened in 100% the right areas. They've strengthened in that final third, which is potentially where they've struggled so far this season. So, I I mean, I think, I don't know whether Tammy Abraham had a knock or whether, again, it was rotation and we saw Oliver Giroud start up front. And I'm a big fan of Oliver Giroud, but he didn't really seem to provide that focal point that he normally does. There are a couple of chances he had and he obviously got the goal did he get a goal? He got he a goal, did. didn't he? Yeah, he, yeah, he got a goal at the end. Yeah, so uh, I think Chelsea, think Chelsea just lacked that little bit of finishing, that little bit of cutting edge. And if they'd had that, they would have absolutely blown Aston Villa off the park. As for Aston Villa, I thought they were really poor. I thought particularly down the the flank which had Willian on, I thought they were just let Chelsea have chance and chance and chance and the crosses they were getting into the box I think Aspulequeta whose name I can't pronounce one of my classic pronunciations of names and Willian had something you're supposed to say it about half as quick as that mate Aspulequeta come on man so they had had like a a dozen crosses each into the Aston Villa box and you're never going to get anywhere if you can't stop that and you can't learn from that because it was right the way through both halves the first half they were just dominating down that side went off at the break and you'd expect Dean Smith or any manager to come on and do something to combat that in the second half and they just couldn't so yeah I think Aston Villa have got real problems and real work cut out if they are going to stay up Let's have a look at this, though. Like, Villa, 26 points, and then only Norwich is below them. So they've got... Um, next, they've got Newcastle, right? It's Let's say there's no home advantage whatsoever. They've got Newcastle. That's not gonna, They're not going to beat them. Then they've got Wolves. Not going to beat them. Then they've got Liverpool. No chance. And that probably, probably that game, that Liverpool game, will be the game when they win it around 5th of July, next couple of games' time. They're not staying up. There's no way Villa are staying up at all, if you look at that. Mm. Then they've got Crystal Palace, which is like whatever game, isn't it? Uh, it, it it's the win it. Yeah, it's so they're going to lose against... They're probably going to draw or lose against Palace. And then they've got Everton after that. No, no. They're not, Villa are not staying up. It's looking absolutely disastrous for them, mm. really, for, for those reasons. And for how they looked at the weekend. Just no way. It does feel like curtains for Villa at this point in time. But as you know, the Premier League can spring many a surprise. So we'll have to wait and see. It's not over till it's over, as the old cliche goes. But you mentioned this earlier on in the podcast, Steve. You think Chelsea look pretty solidly on course for a Champions League spot now. And if they do finish in fourth position, 
I mean, we have to give credit to Frank Lampard, who, although was kind mm-hmm. of forced to use the young players, the tools that he's had for the job have uh, kind of been forced upon him. But it's a really good platform to build off with the sort of players they've got coming in. Ziyech from Ajax. They've got uh, Timo Werner coming in from RB Leipzig. I mean, considering they finished oh, fourth with God. the kind of uh, a youthful squad, so to speak, and some players that would be out of contract, it's a pretty good platform for them to build on with the players coming in. Absolutely. They're definitely getting that fourth spot. I can't see United are five points behind them right now. And, you know, so that's that second book. Timo, Timo Werner, what a signing. So mm. they've got, like you say, an amazing platform. They've got Europe next year, guaranteed, I would say now. And they made some great signings. That that kid, Werner, he's just, he's great. He's absolutely fantastic. How old is he like? 24. 20? Yeah. Okay. So he's got like a good good five years and he's a tough player isn't he? he's like he's got a bit of build to him he's like a not like a rooney but he's, he's tough isn't he he's a mm. tough lad he's robust i would say he, do, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't tend to be injured and he's played he's played most of the games this season i think it's 33 goals in 46 47 appearances so it's got a hell of a strike rate as well he's got got he's got pace he's got a good dead eye shot he's yeah what a signing so they'll be they'll be up there next year or this year whenever <laughs> look at the bench as well. I mean, if you look at the bench against Villa at the weekend and they had Ross Barkley on the bench, Tammy Abraham on the bench, they had Pulisic who obviously came on and credit to Frank Lampard for making that change because he came on and changed the game. They've got Gilmore, the young Scottish lad who's highly rated. There's something really interesting happening at Chelsea and I think the question mark over them was Frank Lampard and whether he had quite enough to step up into that role as a Premier League manager with relatively little experience. And I think he's starting to prove that he can actually do that. So, yeah, I think Steve's bang on. They'll probably get Champions League football this season. That'll enable them to invest further in the playing squad. There'll be that mixture of this young, quality English talent they've got through their core at the moment, mixing that with the signings that are coming in. I mean, they're not going to start challenging Liverpool or City yet, I don't think, but they're certainly going to look very attractive next season. Okay, so what are we saying? Today's the 22nd of June, 2020. We're saying Aston Villa down, Chelsea in the top four? Absolutely, I am, definitely. Yeah, I think it's very difficult to see anything other than that. Aston Villa and Norwich are probably the two that are going and one other, and Chelsea just seem too good to miss out on Champions League at the moment. At least we know someone in Claret and Blue will be going down this season. Jim, might be two teams, (laughs) who knows? Anyway, this is Football Social Daily. We'll be chatting more about the Premier League Sunday games after this quick break. Don't forget that Football Social Daily is brought to you by our friends at German, Donner Kebab. If you fancy something slightly different for tea tonight, why don't you get onto Uber Eats or Deliveroo and search for your nearest restaurant. Just go to germandonnerkebab.com and find out where that is. That's it for the first part of the podcast. We'll see you after this. Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Kebabs done right and delivered right to you via Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. I'm Niall. Alongside me, I've got Jim Salverson and Steve Shanyaski to talk through yesterday's action. We've already spoken about a rather boring Merseyside derby and Chelsea's 2-1 victory at Aston Villa. Now we're going to take a trip up to the northeast into St. James's Park, where, and it's not often we've said that this season, it was an easy win for Newcastle United. Lots of chat. I know, unbelievable. Lots of chat (laughs) about whether Steve Bruce deserves to keep his job. Now, there was talk about this on the television from pundits, talk about this on social media. 
Newcastle United fans aren't sure of him still, regardless of what's been uh, a good display against Sheffield United, where they won by three goals to nil. We'll speak about Sheffield United's shortcomings in a little bit, but firstly about Newcastle and Steve Bruce, Jim. We have spoken about Steve Bruce to Marley, who's a Newcastle fan, to Phil Hudson as well on the podcast before, both Newcastle United fans. Do you think that he deserves to keep his job from a neutral perspective? It was always going to be tough for him to fill the shoes of Rafa Benitez. Has he done enough this season? I was watching Match of the Day last night and Phil Neville was saying how Newcastle could do... Basically, he said that he didn't think they should have Mauricio Pochettino brought in or go back to Rafa Benitez because Steve Bruce was a better coach. Um, and I think anything that Phil Neville says, I automatically take an immediate opposition to. So I'm not sure I could back... St- I mean, they are playing probably slightly more ambitious football than they did under Rafa Benitez. But at the same time, it is still Rafa Benitez's team, essentially, and the core... Uh, whether Marley would agree with this, and he knows much more about Newcastle than obviously I do. It would appear that this is kind of like Rafa Benitez 1.1 as opposed to Steve Bruce doing something completely new I get with that. the Newcastle team. I get that, but Pep Guardiola could have taken over that Newcastle United side and it still would have been Rafa Benitez's team. One, because of how much yeah. they loved him up there. And two, because, you know, apart from Joel Linton, who we'll come on to in a second, where they spent £45 million on him, they've not really signed anyone. It's him and Almiron and that's it. And Newcastle, we know Mike Ashley is a notorious penny pincher and he isn't really keen to get the checkbook out. So was that not always going to be the case, regardless of who stepped into that job? Yeah, and I think he has done well in terms of dealing with what he's got and getting results on the pitch as well. And a load of people, when Benitez left, were tipping Newcastle for relegation this season, and they've steered well clear of that. They're all but safe now, aren't they, from relegation? That's not going to happen. But the, I think it's more to do. So, yeah, he's, he deserves to keep his job on the basis that Ashley's still in charge of the club and there isn't going to be a massive investment in the team. He deserves to keep his job. If... There is a big consortium that comes in and says, we're buying Newcastle, we're giving you 200 million quid to spend. Would you trust Steve Bruce with 200 million pounds to spend in the transfer market? I think the majority of right-thinking Newcastle fans would say no. (laughs) He's not a manager who has experience of handling those big multi-million pound players. And a lot of that stuff that comes hand in hand with having a checkbook like that and being able to bring in those players is be able to manage the players rather than necessarily being able to set them out to play a particular style. It's kind of like there's a lot of man management and a lot of ego management involved as well as the tactical side of things. And maybe that doesn't play quite as well into Steve Bruce's skill set. Think about how many Maro Anfellanis you could buy for £200 million, though. (laughs) (laughs) You you could have a team full of Maro Anfellanis. What Jim says is exactly... Is everything in a nutshell. You'd keep Bruce unless some big investment come in because what do they expect from that team otherwise? They're just, mm. they're never going to win. They were, he done, he's done amazing to keep them up. That's, that is the big achievement this season because they were, they were shocking. They were, they were looking absolutely shocking. He's turned them around. Yes, he should stay because they're not really going to invest that much, are they? So Well, even after this takeover, well, Steve, this Saudi Arabian proposed takeover, reports have suggested that they aren't going to go on a massive spending spree when these Saudis potentially come in and take over the club. So I think, yeah, maybe their expectations on that front need to be a little bit tempered as well. Well, just hold on and keep keep the team in the premiership ship and keep turning the money over, really, for now, and then see what they can develop in the future. Because as it stands for now, they're just in for sort of mid-table madness for the next few mm. years, like hopefully and, and, and not 
have a big rocky patch where they get sent down because that would be disastrous, you know. Mm. I don't think they'll get... I, I hope they wouldn't get sent down because if you get a big Saudi Arabian investment and then get sent, sent, sent down, you've got something drastically wrong, haven't you, really? <laughs> I, like, oh, yeah. I like your use of sent down. It's making me feel that, <laughs> that they're all going to end up in Wormwood Scrubs. <laughs> Steve Bruce, the governor in Wormwood Scrubs with all the boys down in, the, down in London. But The, the, I, the, t- the team bus is that big white one with the tiny little square windows and all the press take the photos on <laughs> <laughs> the side as you arrive. <laughs> Very good. I think like you've the, got like, a the po- film, like the film Porridge. Was it Porridge had a big uh, a football match at the end of it? You know the old film Porridge when they actually made it into a movie? Wasn't yeah. It? A big, they had a big footy match. Yeah, like that, basically. That's... That's the that's the, <laughs> that's the that's what happens if you get sent down from the Premiership. Yeah, you have well, to play like that. Well, okay. I think some Newcastle fans do feel like they're imprisoned by Steve Bruce's style of football because it's just I think an average of thirty three percent possession, Jim, um, mm-hmm. on average per Premier League game this season. So I think there are a few of those stats being bandied around. But is it not just trying to keep Newcastle in the Premier League? Is that not his is is remit at this moment in time? And maybe when there is the shackles freed from Mike Ashley and there is a bit of cash to spend maybe he can be a bit more expansive and that's what the supporters want yeah I think that's 100% the job right now it is as far as long as Mike Ashley is in charge of Newcastle the job is keeping Newcastle in the Premier League and keeping the money coming into the club that is his job and he's doing it well at the moment and there's a decent spine of a team at Newcastle as well I mean Dubravka's a decent goalkeeper they've got decent centre-backs their midfield's potentially a bit lightweight and I really like the front three I like St Maximum I think he's brilliant I think they'll be lucky to hold on to him over the next 12 months Almiron's got potential Mm. Joe Linton for his (laughs) <laughs> All for his lack of scoring. I mean, he's, he looks like a decent centre-forward. And the goal he scored um, against Sheffield United as well, it was a proper centre-forward's goal. It was like started by him, he got out to the wing, he got on the end, he kind of worked his guts off. Yep. And I think that there's a good nucleus of a team there. It's just making it play together. It needs a little bit of investment. But yeah, until they get their investment, until they get a new owner, the job is finishing 7th, not 17th, 16th keeps you up, doesn't it? Yes. Anything above that the no, seventeenth. Seventeenth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just staying up, basically. That first one-on-one that Joe Linton had in that game, though, um, and also bear in mind that Sheffield had a player sent off, and they didn't even Newcastle didn't score until then. Mm. But, yeah. Um, he had that one-on-one, and it was exactly like when you play FIFA and you don't know what button to press because it just mm. he had a gr- fantastic opportunity and just it just he wanted to sort of open his body and curl it round and it just went disastrously wrong. Just scuffed it, didn't he? It's not his fault that he cost 45 million quid either. I think it's important that when we do mention how much players cost and they've never lived up to the billing, the players don't choose the the transfer fee that they go for. So I do feel a little bit sorry for him in that regard. Well, it's not not Joel Linton's fault he's worth 45 million. I always said, I'm worth 45 million. Oh, well, maybe that's just (laughs) the arrogance within you, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you want to know how long it was for Joel Linton before he finally ended his barren run in front of goal in the Premier League. Can you take a in guess? In terms of days or hours or games? Days, or hours, games, minutes, shots. I've got, uh, I've got all the. I've got a the guess. Lot. I'm going for something like two thousand one hundred minutes. No, two thousand one hundred thirty minutes would be my my absolute wild stab in the dark guess. I'm going two hundred days. Oh well, the correct answer: six months, twenty six games, thirty nine shots. And Jim, you've obviously somehow managed to get this already because the answer is 2,130 minutes. Don't play that game with me, Jim. I know what you're doing. If 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 
that that game had been played in front of a full house at Newcastle, at St James's Park, and he'd missed that early chance, as Steve says, it was an absolute sitter. He All he had to do was open his body and curl it round. If there'd been a full crowd there, I don't think he would have gone on to score later. Yeah, I think because he because his confidence is so fragile at the moment. I think mm. they would have got on his back. They would have like they would have had the oh that the kind of exasperated well, moment. Yeah, and I think but I think he had a great game, and it wasn't just the goal. He kind of got on the um, on the back of the Sheffield United defender for the red card. He kind of forced him into giving away that sloppy second yellow, and he got sent off, and that changed the game ultimately. So he made a nuisance of himself. So I think he had a good game, and I'm not sure he would have had that with the expectations of the St. James's Park crowd on the back of it. So maybe that's a positive for there being no fans in the stadium as far as one player is concerned. John Egan got sent off for Sheffield United. Ender Stevens made an extremely rare mistake at the back for Alain St-Maximin to, to give Newcastle the lead. It was a great second goal from Matt Ritchie, we have to say that. And as we've touched upon Joel Linton adding the finishing touch uh, with the third. But, you know, them losing 3-0, considering they've had the tightest defence in the league this season up till now, apart from Liverpool... I mean, could that costly defeat cost them a European place? Because they've still got Manchester United to play, which could be this, you know, what's being billed as this fifth place playoff. I mean, that'll be on Chris Wilder's mind, I'm sure. I worry about Sheffield, you know. They they were really surprising this season. And since the break, I've just thought they've just not looked, they just haven't looked like they've turned up now at all yet. And it this will be over in a flash. Like I say, end of July, a compression of so many games, if they don't wake up for their next game, I haven't got it in front of me but um, I can't see them even getting a European slot honestly, I think they'll just they'll just slip down a little bit, they'll just mm. slip down, you've got Spurs there Spurs are just behind them, two points behind them they'll take their spot so it'll be, it'll be Chelsea 4th, United 5th, Wolves or Spurs 6th and then yeah, will Arsenal come back? Will they wake up? Mm. God, yeah. I, I, I honestly, Sheffield. I think they're asleep. They're they're, they're still asleep, and they need to wake up very quickly. Mm. If they lose their next game, which is at Manchester United, know. by the way, Steve. It's at Old Trafford, so that is a big European playoff. Ain't happening. They're not going to win that at all. They're, they're done. They're done. I'm saying it now. Absolutely done for that reason. They just didn't wake up quick enough. Mm. Um, yeah, they just seem. And after United beat them, which is going to happen. Um, they're going to be so. They're going to lack so much confidence after that. Mm. They'll start changing tactics. They'll start playing differently. And yeah, how risky that is. Of course, you can't do that at the end of the season. Everything should be set in place. Oh so no, I think I think they're going to mm. slip away a bit now. What about for you, those reasons? What about you, Jim? To be honest, because I, I mean, I've said this before. Sort of the lockdown period started that I felt Sheffield United would finish in the top ten, but I'm not sure whether they'd be able to clinch onto a European place. Much like what Steve's just said there. Um, are you are you still fancying them for at least a Europa League spot? I think it's too early to write them off because everyone is taking time to get going and they didn't look terrible against Aston Villa. They should have won that game. They didn't look brilliant against Newcastle, but they were probably unlucky with the red card and they, as we said, they didn't get... They didn't, Newcastle didn't work on top of that game until the red card happened. So it's difficult to write them off from those games. That said, I think a lot of Sheffield United's success this season has been due to momentum. And it's been that kind of keep on going, keep on going. And we see it time and time again from newly promoted sides that come into the division and do well, then the second season they fall away. Essentially, this is the second season because they've lost that momentum. They've lost that kind of early buzz of being in the Premier League with this enforced break we've had, Mm. which could be a problem for them. I think they've got a 
strong enough side. They're not going to fall away dramatically. They are going to finish top 10 and they then, then they need to invest for next season because they do lack still in a few areas when you look at the strength and the depth of the squad. Mm. So it does need that investment, particularly without that kind of heightened buzz and momentum to carry them forward. So they are going to drop away a little bit. I think Europe's probably a little bit too much of a stretch for them, but I don't think that's a bad thing either because I think putting a European campaign on top of a relatively newly promoted side can be a spell of spell for trouble yeah no that's a good point so it finished at st james's park newcastle united three sheffield united nil but the action doesn't stop there is just the one game tonight monday night in the premier league takes place at the etihad stadium as manchester city welcome burnley now every time burnley go to the etihad or just play manchester city in general they tend to get a bit of a hide in since pep guardiola took over the club in 2016 burnley haven't beaten Manchester City at all in fact they've lost eight of the nine games that both sides have played against each other in all competitions so I can't personally see this one going any other way tonight I don't know about you boys um, but Pep Guardiola says uh, that Leroy Sane might play and might be used for some of these games despite the fact he's declined a new contract which clearly says that he's off to Bayern Munich Steve mm-hmm. um, do you think that, that Burnley stand any chance tonight I personally don't and secondly what's your take on the whole Leroy Sane situation it looks quite clear to everyone that he's on his way okay well so firstly then Burnley absolutely no chance and i tell you why I think because Pep lost his mum to the coronavirus I think City are going to be absolutely galvanised for the last you see Pep's there you know he, he motivates them he focuses them and all that and if he is utterly focused on getting this season done and out of the way because of you know losing his mum which is gonna it will it'll either invigorate you or destroy you and clearly with a character like pep he's gonna be absolutely up for it he'll get his team up for it i can't see them losing many games before the end of the season to be honest for those reasons sane so burnley no chance they don't stand in a single chance tonight sane pep seemed like he sort of fell out with him didn't he he's mm, well he injured his he knee didn't he in the in the in the community shield back in august and so he's kind mm. of been on the injury on the treatment table so to speak for the last basically year um but he was being tapped up by bayern and i know they're not supposed to do it these football clubs but it happens all the time it's against the rules tapping up and saying do you fancy a little move over back to germany get yourself back in the mm. national team and all of this stuff uh, we can pay you the same. You've, you've got more chance of winning the Champions League at Bayern, you know, guaranteed. They won their eighth league title in a row last week. So, you know, it, 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 of course, it's an attractive move for a young German lad who who was left out of the World Cup squad, who probably is a chip on his shoulder. You've just reminded me of that. Yeah, I'd, I'd completely forgotten that he didn't make it into the German national squad. That was really surprising. And I can see this. I can see exactly what you're saying there. Move back to Germany become the focus you know everyone would see him play in the Bundesliga every week week in week out and he would very quickly get in the German team wouldn't he and maybe mm. that is his focus mm. you know next is it next year they're gonna have the Euros next year instead yeah yeah so I mean there's a chance there so for him to would, get back in the side for sure I can see this I can see the strategy of why he would go back to the Bundesliga for that for that reason it's a very 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 good point very good point um, he also says he'll rotate his squad, Jim, whether that includes Leroy Sane or not, uh, which leads me to believe that his focus is surely on the Champions League. Now, we know City are in this court case with UEFA after UEFA accused them of breaking FFP rules and then subsequently banned them from competing in mm-hmm. European football for the for the next two seasons. Uh, at the moment, that court case um, has concluded and we're awaiting the outcome, which should be heard uh, in early July. So a couple of weeks from now, we'll finally know um, what 
clubs will be playing for in the Premier League because of course there's this whole can of worms of whether fifth place actually opens up a European spot so by the start of next month in a couple of weeks we'll know that um, but Pep knows that City are going to finish second they're not going to drop out of the top four they're not going to catch Liverpool so if they are going to be banned next season almost the perfect two fingers to UEFA would be to go and win their Premier Club competition and if they were to get banned, well, they get banned as the winners of the Champions League. I mean, it seems to me that Pep's focus surely is on that Champions League trophy. I mean, there's no secret, is it, that Pep Guardiola wants to win the Champions League and Manchester City want to win the Champions League. And it would make perfect sense that the focus would be on that rather than Premier League, because that is gone now. That ship has sailed. I mean, Guardiola is a man who likes squad rotation anyway. We've seen it all the way through the season that he doesn't play the same eleven week in week out he likes to mix and match with different players the Arsenal game Bernardo Silva was on the bench Mm. Uh, Rodri came on Fernandinho came on Aguero was on the bench to start with as well so he is going to mix and match and he is going to change things the Champions League doesn't start to the end of August isn't it Mm, when they're going to start start of August I think Jim yeah Start of August, is it? So, well, he's, he's going to need to give players game time between now and then to get them sharp. So he is going to play his stars. He is going to play his main men, even if he is resting players for the Champions League. But that has to be the focus going on here. As for the Sane thing, I don't think he'll play. I think it's just Pep saying something in the press conference. I don't know whether it's a red herring or whether he wants to make it look like they're getting value out of him. But... Steve mentioned how focused he is as a player and what he demands from his players. So how he is as a manager and what he demands from his players. If there is a player in his team, in his squad, that has their eyes fixed somewhere else, that's got their mind on a move to Bayern, I don't think he's going to get any game time. And I don't think he needs to as well. I think Manchester City fans would love to see some of the youth academy getting a game ahead of him if he's got no future. So, I mean, Phil Foden came on against Arsenal again and scored give Phil Foden no, it's not not a like for like substitution you're not going to play Phil Foden out on the left or the right but at the same time they want to see him getting more game time and I'm sure there's plenty of other youth academy products that they'd rather see mm. over Sane in these mm. games if they are switching up and resting players for Champions League football yeah it looks like uh, Eric Garcia won't play for Manchester City after taking that thumping knock from Edison in the game on Wednesday against Arsenal so he looks set to miss out um, as for Burnley they're going to be without three key players Johan Berg Goodmanson the Icelander uh, he's not going to play Ashley Barnes is on the sidelines he's injured uh, recovering from surgery and Chris Wood their big striker who's basically been their key man this season uh, leading the line he's going to be missing as well so Burnley are safe really Steve I mean what's their ambition I've, I've had an interesting conversation with a few people on the podcast before about what Burnley's ambitions are and it almost felt that when they got into the Europa League playing that sort of tub thumping long ball style that we kind of associate with Sean Dyche that that was kind of an overachievement for them to get into Europe and, and you know the fans almost couldn't believe it and it feels like as long as they're above Blackburn and in the Premier League they're not really too asked where they finish. I mean, it almost feels that like that's an accurate description. It's just a very amusing. Knowing what northern tribal towns are like, that's <laughs> probably very, very likely. Um, yeah, so they're just going to try and hang around for as long as they can and get into Europe every sort of two or three years if possible, I would have said, wouldn't they? Yeah, I'm just not, that they, I think it's a bit just, boring, what? though, as a supporter. You're just like, as a Burnley fan, will you not just get a little bit... I don't know, maybe it's just me. I like the Jeopardy side of things. I mean, it's it's like Stoke. Remember when Stoke used to be in the Premier League and they would finish 10th or 11th every season? It's like, oh, Stoke have finished mid-table again. 
you know, and there's no thrill of staying up and there's no thrill of possibly fighting for something like Sheffield United at the moment are fighting for European football. So there's a bit of a thrill there. Whereas if you're someone like, for instance, Burnley or Newcastle United or even Everton to an extent, you're so clear of relegation and you're probably too far from the European places. So it feels like you're kind of just going along, going through the motions with nothing really to play for. In the, the, the broad picture, yes, but... Jeopardy's all well and good until you're in jeopardy. So when you're going down, <laughs> that's, the, that's the last thing you want. So what you look for is staying mid-table and the little victories. You know, United turning up, City turning up and mm. sticking it to them a little bit. And that, mm. that's all you can really hope for. And then, if possible, every two or three years, get into Europe and, and give it a little bit of a go because there's nothing more exciting than playing some of those random teams that, you know, United have been playing this season. That That... Those teams coming to Burnley and all that, that that would be exciting for them. But honestly, the last thing any team wants, regardless of whether they're floating around in the middle of the table, is is to go down. That's just the last thing you want. It really Mm. is. Yeah, I agree. And just a final one, Jim. Burnley goalkeeper Joe Hart. I mean, he's been frozen out of Burnley, who have got one of the strongest goalkeeping units in the top flight, to be fair to them. Mm. Never happened for him at West Ham. Didn't really happen for him in Serie A. Since he's been kicked out of Man City by Pep about four years ago now, it's really gone downhill for him. Now it's been revealed just this morning that Joe Hart will leave Burnley when his contract expires at the end of this month. He doesn't know where he's going to end up. He's just said he wants to play at as high a level possible. Is it sad what's happened to Joe Hart or is that just, you know, part of the territory when you're a professional footballer? Yeah, I think it is sad because he was England number one. He was one of the best goalkeepers in the country for a period and he just seemed to have his confidence absolutely blown out of the water by being rejected by Pep Guardiola and whether he thought when Guardiola came into the club this was his chance to win trophies he was going to like step on his game and he just got kicked to the side whether that's affected him or not who's to say if you're not either Joe Hart or his therapist but it didn't work at Torino when he went over to Italy and as you say West Ham and Burnley it's not where they're Burnley was a weird choice though wasn't it as you said really strong goalkeeping lineup, and I think they had a couple of injuries I think Tom Heaton was out when he went there originally so he was kind of playing understudy but he was never going to get that unthreatened run of games that he needed to maybe even restore his own confidence and be that top flight goalkeeper again so it is a little bit sad for Joe Hart but he he has been (laughs) abject (laughs) when he has played (laughs) (laughs) so who are you going to blame? Cast your minds back. Wasn't it following an awful Euros that he had? And then he had that season at City and they just got rid of him, basically. Did he not have an awful Euros four years ago? Well, England had an awful Euros. They were beaten by Iceland, weren't they? So, But I remember him being a particular character that that was sort of damned in the press. He was, you know, he was acting a bit crazy and stuff. He seemed really sort of... He really stuck out as a, as a, a bit of a crazy character. And after that... Mm. he went from city wasn't it wasn't that the sort of spark to it all i just think the point was that pep guardiola didn't think that joe hart could execute the style of play that he wanted just yeah. you know like the, playing out the with play his out feet and all that yeah. stuff so he yeah. brought in bravo and that was a disaster so then he, brought he in mentioned Edison that didn't he in, instead in his in his final game joe hart said in this post-match press conference after the game that he had like he'd his final game in a city shirt he'd got 100 percent pass completion or something along those lines, and he was like, he made a reference to pigs might fly, or something like that in his final interview. So it was clearly a conversation that he'd had with the coaching staff. But it is a shame what's happened, and he hasn't really found his feet anywhere. Yeah, It'll be interesting to see where he goes next. And 
I can see, I, I still think a Premier League club will take a chance on him. Or he'll go to the MLS. It'll be kind of one of those, won't it? But you can see a team like Sheffield United, potentially, if they were going to go and lose Dean Henderson back to Manchester United, would they take a punt on Joe Hart as their goalkeeper? Kind of the elder statesman who could help support the younger goalkeepers coming through. He's still only 33, mm. so he's got a good four or five years left as a top flight goalkeeper you get more longevity as a goalkeeper don't you so certainly there's a couple of years left in the tank but it'd be interesting to see where joe hart ends up so manchester city versus burnley an evening kickoff tonight in the premier league so uh, we'll have full coverage of that one on our website with a match report and a match preview too so go over to our brand new shiny new website sport-social.co.uk there's loads of uh, premier league news on there previews some features as well all in audio form too so if you can't be bothered to read it just stick your headphones in press the play button and you can listen to absolutely everything that's going on anyway this has been football social daily for monday thank you very much jim thank you steve thank you cheers good fun yeah, it has been very good fun. And don't forget, we'll have another podcast tomorrow and the day after and the day after that and every day between now and the end of the season. When there's action on in the Premier League, we'll be right up to date and across it. So make sure you hit subscribe here on Football Social Daily. It's the only daily Premier League podcast you can find out there. So uh, hit that subscribe button or follow, whatever it might be, and you won't ever miss a show again. But that's it for today's episode, and we'll chat to you again tomorrow. Don't forget to drop my hummus round, Steve. <laughs> Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Fancy something different for tea? Get takeaway delivery now via Deliveroo and Uber Eats. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.